At 22 years old, a young man named Bill Hybels went to see a lawyer. He wanted to start a church in Chicago. And there's some papers that have to be filled out to do that. At the end of his time with that lawyer, the lawyer asked him, why do you want to start a church, Bill? And he said, because I want to see lives changed. And the lawyer said to him, young man, if there's one thing I've learned in 30 years of practicing law, it's that people's lives never change. Greedy people stay greedy. Hateful people stay hateful. Arrogant people stay arrogant. And cheaters keep cheating. Remember this, young man. People don't change. And Bill Hybels countered by saying, well, I'm betting my whole life on you being wrong about that, pal. I don't know if you know about Bill Hybels, but that church runs over 25,000. They've, tens of thousands of people have come to Jesus Christ. They serve tens of thousands of leaders across the world with the Willow Creek Association. Because Bill had something that was a secret weapon that the lawyer didn't know about. Jesus Christ changes lives. Today, I'm talking to you uh, on a sermon that I've entitled, Grow. And we're a church that also believes that Jesus Christ changes lives. That's what we're about. Coming to Jesus and then watching him as we're forgiven and he, he, he changes us. Through his word, with his love. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And I've been thinking about this summer as I had time off. What, what are we focusing on here? What do we really want to do? The truth is we want to build people. Not buildings, but people. Not ministries, but people. Because all those other things become necessary at times when people grow. But we want to reach our community. We want them to know Jesus Christ so they can be saved. And we want to see their lives change. We want our lives to be forever changing as we grow more and more to be like Jesus. Because that's the goal, you know. Christian. To be Christ-like. A follower of Jesus Christ, to learn every day to become more and more like our master. That's what it's about. The Christian walk is about growth. When you buy a shrub or a particular tree, plant that you're going to put around the house, it has a little tag on it. Have you ever noticed that? Now, I, some people have a green thumb. As a matter of fact, how many of you like to garden or are into plants? Just, you know, put, okay. God bless you guys. I admire you because this thumb does nothing but kill. There's no, there's no green to it. But you must follow the instructions. You look for one that has the right environment. It's in shade or, or, or not and it needs lots of water. Or, and, and you try to cater to exactly what that thing says to get maximum results, right, for that plant. The Christian life is similar in this sense that there's a pattern in the Bible, the normative way that God would grow his people. And if we're not involved with those essentials on a regular basis, then we will not grow. And I want to share four things with you today that I believe will put you in a place where you can grow more and more to be like Jesus every day. Environments for maximizing our growth in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come. Lord, we, we all... Uh, have grown to some level, but if we're not careful, we can fall back. We can grow stale. And Lord, I believe you'd speak to each one here to examine their lives. For your word says, examine your lives carefully to see if you're still in Christ. Your word says that we should take a good look 
and, and, and move to those things that would help us to become more like you. So help us to do that today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So four things. The first is this. Love God. Now, how do you love God? Well, I, I want to give you three concrete things that I think that will help you to grow to understand how God loves you. You want to grow in the love of God, you have to understand how he loves you. Because he really loves you. And the more you understand about how he loves you, the more you can share that love, accurately represent Jesus to others. Here's the first point I have, or, or first uh, sub-point in, in, in loving God. Plant yourself in a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church. Now, I said Jesus-loving because, uh, and Bible-believing because there, there's a lot of churches like that in this, or in this community in the Portland area. There's some wonderful churches. But there are also churches here and beyond that aren't really into Jesus that much. You wouldn't hear much about him if you went to church. And perhaps you wouldn't hear the Bible too much if you go to that church. I'm saying don't go to a church like that. Go to a church that's Jesus-loving and Bible-believing because that's where you'll get growth. Psalm 92, 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. That's kind of a weird uh, phrase, planted in the house of the Lord. It didn't say those who attend church, but those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Fresh means fat. So God wants you to be fat in some ways. Uh, spiritually, he wants you to grow. Flourishing there means like a green, healthy tree that's, that, that is, is naturally growing every year. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, that's different than attending. What is it to be planted? Well, it means that you're coming into a place like this and you're saying, God, this is where you've called me. I'll be faithful to be here when the doors are open. I'll be faithful to receive the word that is delivered. I'll be faithful to serve and be a part of, not just attend, planted. And if you're planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible says you'll flourish. Now, there are other things about loving God I'll bring in, but let me give you an example. Some of you know, you've heard the stories that um, my mom and dad were believers. They had two small children, and um, they had a season where they didn't go to church for a few weeks. And in that, in, in that time, their house caught fire, and their firstborn, 22 months old, Eric Ray Russell, died in that fire. And uh, it was devastating, as you can imagine. And the pastor came over from a church that they'd been attending and told them that if they'd have gone to church and not skipped church that month before, that their child wouldn't have died. Well, it, 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 they thought, if God's like that, I don't even want to serve him. And they fell away. Uh, that pastor, I'm sure he meant well, but he didn't understand the love of God, that's for sure. And it was all about rules and not about relationship, or you'd never say something like that. So I grew up in a home where parents had been Christians, but we didn't go to church, and I didn't know anything about it. I knew nothing about their former life in Jesus Christ for eight years of my life. We never, we, we, we weren't involved in any way in religious things. And then my brother and I went to church, and you've heard that story too, as I've told it several times here through the years, and we, we found Jesus Christ. And then my sisters, and then my mom, and my dad, watching a church love us instead of judge us, my dad's heart was moved to the point where he was open to receiving Christ because he thought, finally, I see what he is and, 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 and not what that 
poor representation was formerly. We planted ourselves in a church called Harbor Light Church in Santa Cruz, California. When I say planted, I mean planted. We were there every time the doors opened. We, I, I mean, when they had revival in those days, it would be three weeks, 21 days in a row, and we'd go every night. I remember my dad's, I asked dad once, dad, do we have to go to church tonight? And he said, well, the Bible says forsake not the assembly. And I said, but it didn't say you had to go every night. But we were there. You know why? Because we needed it. We were there for the children's ministry. We were there for the youth department because the truth is we were a dysfunctional family when we came to Christ. My dad had some vices in his life with gambling and some other things. He wasn't home a lot of the time. We'd been raised to be fighters and we'd fight each other physically and fight other people. We were the kids. I was the kid in the children's ministry that other people didn't want to be their kids to be around for a while. But this church was so good to us. They loved us so well. They wrapped their arms around us. They, Dad went through a change in his uh, occupation because what he was doing was somewhat dishonest. And when he got saved, he dropped it immediately. And he, he took up welding and we just weren't doing that well initially when we started. But he was going to do right. And man, he was changed and transformed. We could see a lot of that immediately. He was home. He was there to play catch with me. He never had been. Not on a regular basis. And we saw Jesus changing our dad and we saw this church gather around us. We decided to, to, to root ourselves, to plant ourselves in the house of the Lord. But let me tell you what else is planting. The other people in that church were planted in the house of the Lord in this way. That when we walked in, they knew that church wasn't just about receiving, it was about giving. They brought groceries when we were going through a hard time. They visited us. They helped us in so many ways. They loved us. And you know the long of the story is three of us, my brother, myself, and my dad, all became ministers before it was over. And, and it was because of the planting in the house of the Lord. Can I tell you something? When we get these guys up here to, to talk to you about your, your, your children and your youth, man, please take advantage of getting your kids to this stuff. We're telling them about Jesus. We're telling them to honor you. And, and you can hear the ways that they would help plant yourself in the house of the Lord because it's not just those that attend that are blessed. It's those that plant themselves. And I'll show you other ways of serving that we're gonna talk about today. But when you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, you start to discover his love as others are giving it to you and you give it to others. Other ways, still in point one here about loving God, uh, you know, get, get in a good church where you can start to feel the love and know what it is and experience it and then give it as well. But develop daily disciplines of reading the Bible and prayer. Every one of us need to have this. It's not enough to eat once a week. And when you come here and you hear Dick Foth or myself or Bo Stern, hopefully you're getting a great representation of who he is. But if you don't eat all week long before we see you again, you're not going to be healthy. And the Bible talks about the word being our, 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 our food from God. And here's what it says in Joshua 1.8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Day and night. That's for the individual, not for the, 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 the church pastor only. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Look at that. That's an amazing promise. That's an amazing scripture that when you're in the word on a regular basis, you will prosper and have success in all you do. Not just faith matters. Business 
Because there's so much about business in the Bible. There's so much about integrity and the way to treat people that, 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 that will make a business rise up to be the best one in the area and God's favor can be on it. But it's not about money. It's about his spirit touching you and living through you so others can see who God is and what he looks like and that following his principles makes a difference. We need the word of God. How about prayer? We use the life journals as, as something that we think would be a real blessing to people. As a matter of fact, when people come to Jesus Christ here, one of the first things we do is try to get them focused on, on reading the word with the life journals. There's a five, a 15, or 30-minute reading there, and there's, there's some help and instruction to know how to write your prayers down after you're done with your reading and get you going on a daily a devotion. And there's lots of ways you can do it. It doesn't have to be life journal. But the word shows us that we're supposed to be involved every day ourselves. And that will be blessed incredibly. Now you say, well, I don't really have time. How can we not have time for the thing that blesses us most in life that God would give us? His truth. We're discovering Him as we get in the Word. And every area, our relationships will be better. Our workplace environment will be better because we'll make it better when we're like Him. And then when we pray, it says this in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. So followers of Christ live in him by reading his word and praying to him and asking for his help. That's how we become more like him. That's how we love God. We love him back. He loves us. We love him back by following the truth. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? And, and, and he loves us so much, he doesn't come to condemn. I hope there's, nobody's feeling condemnation right now. But he comes to encourage you with his truth so that you might be blessed in every way. So that you might have the abundant life. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Second thought now. First is love God. The second is love people. And this means to get connected with some believers on a regular basis. Or as I have written down here, to get connected with a small group of believers. We have our life groups here. And our hope is that you will get connected with people that you enjoy and enjoy you. That you would be a part of hanging out with them in such a way where you get so comfortable you can share your stuff because you're not afraid. You know you'll be loved. And they'll pray for you and help you through and vice versa. Acts 5.42 says this. Why small groups? Every day they met in the temple and in people's homes. Huh, so there's the large group where they met in the temple and the small group where they met in people's homes. And they continued teaching the people and telling the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So small groups, there's something that happens there that doesn't happen in this setting uh, as well. Uh, and and he, he, check this out. We go to God for forgiveness. You know that. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So that's how we get forgiven, we go to God. But to get healing, God has determined, he's purposed that he would use his people. If you're gonna get healing from the stuff that you have, and I like what Dick Foth says, I don't know if he quoted it this last month or not, but one of his uh, sayings that I've uh, enjoyed through the years and seen it to be true is, 
most men spend their adult lives trying to overcome their childhood. And there's just stuff sometimes along the way that God will deal with us about as individuals. Sometimes we're 20 and we haven't dealt with it. 30 and we've gone on and we've grown in the Lord in one area. But it'll expose itself because of our weakness and it'll happen in our relationships or God will just put his finger there gently to say it's time for this to go. I love you too much to leave you that way because I want to bless you. We go to God's people for healing. Look at it here in James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So that's why small groups. Here's the format, and you can sign up for small groups starting next week. This is not a small group sermon, but I believe, I honestly believe you can't do as well as God wants you to do if you're not connected with some believers and you're not having this kind of interaction where you're helping each other grow. We need each other. Transformational leadership is a seminar for businesses that is, has swept across America in this last decade. Ford Taylor was here in this church some time ago and did a seminar. They have a plain glass version of transformational leadership that doesn't put the scripture in there, but is scripture based. And they have a stained glass version that's for church leaders and church uh, Christian businessmen that they give. And we had this stained glass version, the one with all the scripture in it when he did a seminar here. But let me tell you what's happening with transformational leadership. These guys are working with Fortune 500 companies all across America. And they're seeing these businesses radically transform to being better than ever before. One of the things that transformational leadership deals with that the world doesn't really work on is not only the intelligence quotient or the expertise that area but the emotional quotient and the relationship area now you know if you've been in a business perhaps you've seen some men or women that are very high achievers and high performers extremely excellent at what they do expertise coming out their ears and they can make it happen but you also know that those leaders if they don't have their hearts right can sometimes tear people up and hurt, and wound. And if you go along with that at the top, you're gonna have some serious issues in your company. So the way they're transforming these secular companies in Fortune 500 and even Fortune 20 that they're working with is dealing with leaders that they would deal with their stuff and, 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 and be healed so that they could have healthy organizations. They would call it healthy. Get, get, get rid of this stuff and, and, and grow so your organization could be healthy. And, and it's, it's had amazing results. Well, they invited me into a group with 10 Portland businessmen, and I've been meeting with them for about a year. And the idea with this is we're all believers. They, there's two churches involved, and, and I think there's nine or 10 businessmen. And the idea is what would happen if we sold out completely to Jesus Christ and did everything we could to be like him and make our organizations like him? See, they're Christian businessmen doing that. Isn't that awesome? Well, that's, that's the mission of the church, so that's easy for me to sign up for. But in this, I thought I'd go in there, I'll experience some things, I'll become a better leader, and now let me get um, a little bit transparent with you. Along the way, we're dealing with this stuff, and the Lord uncovers something in me that's not quite right. That surprised me. I didn't even really know it was there. I'm telling you the truth, I'm, I'm 54. It's an area that I've... That, that I've attacked before and I felt the Lord's helped me with and I was growing in. But the Lord was saying, I need you to grow more. 
And it was in the context of a small group where we could be transparent and look at the word and express and pray for one another, even confess that healing started to flow for all of us in whatever area it may be. Let me tell you what the Lord was dealing with me about. Growing up in that home where we fought and it was dysfunctional and coming to Christ and dad having you know been not there all the time and had these vices, we had issues in our family. And issues had developed in me as a, as a child. And along the way, I felt like I was growing, but one of the things I had to deal with on a regular basis was anger. And uh, I felt that the Lord was helping me and that I had gotten better. And, you know, I, I, when I went into ministry, I felt like I pretty much whipped it. But along the way, you know, Karen helped me with it, to be honest with you. And, 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 and it's something I have to continually watch. It's that thing that when somebody goes against what you say, it'll just rise up like that. You know, kind of athletes do that sometimes. And you, you can see it. But it's, but it's that. And, and so I, I was trying to, to, to do better. And I felt like the Lord helped me. But it had morphed to something that the Lord, that was a little different but still off that the Lord was dealing with me about. I'll call it the need to be right. That, that this, 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 it's not so much anger anymore, but it's anger that's, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of masking itself in the need to be right. And as a leader, there were times that, and, and this isn't that far removed, so I apologize to any of you if I ever hurt you. But I, but I tell you, as the Lord has been exposing these things to me, here's the deal, I wanna grow. I want to be like him. I want to change so that I can be blessed, so that you can be blessed, so my children and my wife can be blessed in the maximum way. The more I become like Jesus, the better everything gets everywhere. There are times in meetings that people would talk to me um, about a difference of opinion that I would see as confrontation. And it's just another opinion that might make things better. But the insecurity of coming from way back here where you didn't feel like much and traveled to 20 schools and it had, it had just morphed to this and the Lord has started to deal with me about that and I'm saying, okay, God, I, I, I wanna grow and I say that this morning. Why would I say that to you and expose myself in that way? Because the truth is we're all like that in some way. Maybe, maybe that area is not the problem that you, you know, maybe you or your husband never have a need to be right, uh, and, and, and there's no problem there. But, but God would say to us, why, why all this excitement? Why all that energy rising up? When, when, why not just let expression come and let me help you work through it? And he's teaching me. And I believe in each area that he would want to address, in the context of small group, when we confess our sins to one another, we can find healing and God chooses to work through other people to have that. That's why, because you can come in here, you can look good and you do love Jesus and you can praise, but you, you can carry that issue in and out and nobody will know. But you get around people and you start to trust them because they love you, they're not gonna judge you, they're not gonna condemn you. Suddenly these things can come out in prayer. Suddenly you can pray as a couple and say, you know what, we had a bad week. Pray for us. And when you pray, the Lord starts to heal. We need each other. We really do. I like what this pastor, Chris Hodges, said. Small groups are where we deal with our ugly stuff and live out our faith as a process. As we live our lives together with other followers of Jesus, we earn the right to speak and be heard to be honest and transparent with one another. We create a safe place where we know we're loved and valued. No matter how ugly our struggles or how painful our admission, real life change happens in the context 
of relationships. That safe place. I, you know, one of the sad things about uh, what has been presented as Christianity in America in so many places, not every place, but many places, is the, the thought that we, we have to show that we're perfect. That we don't want to let someone see that weakness because um, they wouldn't love us. They wouldn't like us as much if they saw it. I, I can understand that. It's a fear that it, everyone would have. But the, the truth is, the, the enemy would put that in our hearts to keep us from sharing with one another and confessing and praying that we might be healed. And that's where it's at for overcoming. And so as we love it, one another that much and we, we, we help one another, today it, it's me, tomorrow it's you, the next day it, it's your spouse, but every one of us go through struggles. There are hardships, but there are issues too. Today I'm talking about issues that we can grow in personally, but sometimes just hardship where we need to cover each other. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Ecclesiastes 4.12, the one may be overpowered two can defend themselves a cord of three strands is not quickly broken and one of the ways we love God is by coming close to his people getting connected and we grow when we get in that environment we confess and we find healing as we pray third thought we're talking about healthy environments now first you love God second you love people you get connected there third you love the world and what I mean by this is serve, care for, and give to others. A healthy Christian is one that's not only taking in, but giving out. You were created to serve him. As a matter of fact, when they asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Here's what he said in Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And when Jesus says the most important thing, you should listen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We've talked about that one. And then this one. Verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that includes the person who lives next door to you, but that really is every person you come in contact with. That's, that's what that word neighbor means. And, it, and, and really, for us, it, it means giving to those people and places who can't help themselves. We're loving our neighbor when we're reaching out in Cambodia and other countries, Muslim countries across the world, to care for people, to show them the love of God. God wants us to live our lives like we're missionaries every day. I met with a missionary this week. Her name is Lydia. And she's, uh, I believe she's been in Turkey in a Muslim country and they're gonna move there with their whole family. They went through missions training recently and the training had to deal with captivity training just in case they're captured. And, and included in it was how to die well for Jesus. That's a pretty intense class right there. And not only have these guys made uh, 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 the commitment that they'll go to a Muslim country, and I, I got news for you. God would rather love the Muslims to him than, than, and love Islam to him than kill them, right? I, I understand safety and war and their issues, but really, if we want to fight the war, we go and we love and we show Jesus Christ because that's how the battles are ultimately won. And here's a couple that are taking their, not only themselves, but they're willing to give their family. They're taking their kids. Lydia was sitting around a table at lunch and sharing with us and she shared about when she first showed up in that country how it's so dark there and there are no Christians anywhere and you just feel oppressed that they have to start every morning out in the word and prayer or they just don't have enough strength to deal with what's happening and so they're intense about it 
And, and then they'd go out and they felt like the Lord would lead them and guide them and help them as, as they served others. But they needed it so desperately. And they came home for a break and she realized, you know, when I was in America, I didn't, I didn't do that. Now here's, here's what she said. I started thinking, what if Christians in America started doing what we're doing in that country? Because we desperately need Jesus too, don't we? What if we hit our knees every morning like we were talking about early? What, what if we're in his word? What if we felt that we so desperately needed him for all the issues of today with family and work and, and, and people that he wants us to reach around us that we were living that way? Here's what I think. I think God wants us to be missionaries too every day in our lives. This sabbatical we were in Hawaii at, I think uh, the restaurant was the Monkey Pod restaurant, and uh, my whole family was there, my two adult children um, were, were, were there, and, and, and this waitress, we were just having a good time with her. She was nice and fun, beautiful young lady, and um, we're kind of kidding back and forth, and I think she was enjoying us, we were enjoying her, and along the way, the Lord interrupted our nice little visit, and, 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 and in retrospect, I know it was him, and and. I felt him say to my heart, I want you to ask her if you can pray for her. It's like, uh, I'm, not, I'm just having lunch. I'm on sabbatical. And God, yeah, you're not on sabbatical from me, son. You know? So I can't, and I thought, well, I don't want to embarrass my family. I don't want to embarrass her. But I wrestled with it. I heard it two or three times. She came back. And so finally, I'm trying to find a way to get this in. So I said to her, um, hey, I'm a pastor. And, uh, Brianna, is there any way I can pray for you? And this is what happened. Immediately, her eyes, she teared up. And she was trying not to do it. She went like this, like this before she talked. And, and then she knelt down and she grabbed the table. She looked around. She didn't want people to see her. And, she, and tears are streaming down her face as she gets down by the table. And she says, will you pray for my grandma? Now that's what she came up with, but that wasn't the real issue because we talked a little more. So I, I, right there, I prayed for her and I felt that it was more than that that the Lord was saying that I, I really felt in my heart that there was something going on in her life where she was detached from Jesus and needed to feel his love again. That's what I felt in my spirit. And I kind of prayed for her that she would just feel the love of God, that her grandma would be healed, but I threw some stuff in for her. And she, she just all teary-eyed there. And she stayed down and cried for a while and, and got up and started to talk to us about her life. She had, had been in a church in the mainland, but had moved over there with, to, to be with her boyfriend. Didn't sound like it had great relationship with her family as a result of these things. And he just dumped her and she was broken. She's going back home that next week, feeling like God didn't want her and her family was right and she was a failure. How much... Does God love Brianna? That he would speak to one of his servants to say, I really want her to be touched today. I've got something for her. And in that moment, it wasn't much. I've prayed for her several times since. I, we're not in contact with her. But you know, God loves people like that everywhere. And I believe when we become those people that live that missional life that say, God, what... What would you have for me today? We're getting filled up with his word. We're praying. His spirit is, is speaking to us that God wants to reach people in our communities. I, I'm not God. I wouldn't tell you to talk to every waitress that way. But I would tell you that he will prompt you at times with things. And if you venture out at that moment and you can sense that it's him, he'll go way, because, way beyond what you could do. It's not you. 
It's him working through you to bring healing and touch a life. I love that verse in Matthew 5.16 that that says this, in the same way you should be a light for other people, live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Missional lifestyle means that you're just ready to be a servant of the Lord, to care for people. There are people back here today caring, that are doing ministry right now, projecting sound and an image. There are people who, as you walk through these doors, that have a smile on their face, and, and, and they're working for the Lord and making this a warm and comfortable place. There are people that set up the coffee. And God would have us work someplace with our gifts to do something for him, to live a missional lifestyle that includes service. We're ready in the immediate moment for someone like Brianna, but we're, there's a place he has for us. What's the place that he has for us? When we discover that, we move to the last thing I want to talk to you about this morning, loving life. If you're going to love life, you, you, you follow the pattern for these growth things that are talked about, but, but there's something beyond that. John 10, 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So God wants you and I to have a rich and satisfying life. We find life in Christ when we're planted in these right environments I'm talking about this morning. We see spiritual growth. And I don't want you to think of it as linear, like, um, you know, I did one, I did two, I did three, I did four, I'm done, I'm, I've grown, right? That's the American mindset. We're gonna achieve, we reach the finish line, we're done. But this, this, I want you to think of it more this way. When you start with these environments for growth and you start to work these principles, what some athletes would call fundamentals, you can never go away from the fundamentals of the sport, right? You can never go away from these fundamentals I'm talking about. They're growth fundamentals. We, if we stop them, then the plant starts to get weaker. Then the plant starts to die. That's us. But if, we, if, if it's the water of the word, you know that that's what the Bible speaks of when it's talking to the husband. Uh, wash your wife with the water of the word, it says in the scripture. So the water of the word strengthens. And, and, but it's like this. When you do these things, it's spiral. It's not linear, it's spiral. You, you're following these principles, these essentials for growth. And it gets bigger and bigger. And then you don't do them, you might shrink back a little bit like a plant would. But the more you do it, the more mature you get in Christ, the, the more he, he changes your assignments. Uh, uh, you, you have the same gifting, but he'll take you to, to and release you to leadership in things greater and greater. And we can, it's, it's done in such a way where we never have to stop growing. We can always become more and more like Jesus and become a bigger tree that, and the purpose is to show his glory. Psalm 1, they're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. There it is again. The other passage said in everything, this says in all you do. That's, that's a wide spectrum. But I want to bring one more thing before you, this last point that, that takes you to the point of actually loving life. Because there are a lot of Christians that don't love life. When you trust in the Lord and follow his ways, you're blessed. But when you add to this discovering your gifts and doing what you were created to do, now the abundant life kicks in. You get that? So you're doing all the principles and you're trying to grow, but really life doesn't get really as exciting for you as it can be and the Lord wants it to be. And, and, and you don't start to love life until you do what you were created to do until you discover your gifts and you start to lead in and go for it for God in that area. Now, let me tell you, that area could be your business. I mean, some of you need to know your main ministry is your business. Uh, when, you, when you go to work, that's ministry. And, and, and so I, I don't want to get it all out of whack of just thinking inside the confines of a church building. 
But when you discover your purpose and your gifting, you may be a great leader. You may be a great businessman. That's gifting the Lord's given you. You may be a person who has a gift of administration or the gift of hosting or, 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 or that gift of, of leadership. And, and whatever your gift is, when you discover it and say, God, where would you want me to use these gifts you've given me? And you start to move into that. Your life changes and you start to love life. Because you find out that not only he loves, but he'll love through you. You find out that you get fulfillment as he works through you to touch other lives. And life gets more exciting and vibrant than it's ever been before. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that. He's prepared something in advance for you. He already knows what it is. And we need to discover what it is. We have a membership class here, and, and the last part of it is there's two segments of about an hour and a half apiece, but, but the, last, the, the second Sunday where we come together upstairs, there's a gifting test that's given. And in that gifting test, we help you, this test helps you discover how you're wired and what you could do in the body of Christ that would really be a blessing. What you could do in your community with the skill set and the gifts you have that would really bless the community to know and see Jesus Christ. And then we try to help you uh, by finding that place either here in the body or beyond so that your gift can start to function. And the reason we do that is that's when the abundant life kicks in. When you start to do what you were created to do. What you were created to do has something to do with eternity and, and not just everyday life. It has something to do with souls and, and building God's kingdom. And when you do it, you feel fulfilled beyond any other thing in life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. He has plans. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I like what William Barclay says. There are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. You have a wonderful gift, at least one, and probably most of you more than one. Probably several gifts. The very nature of God has been put in you. And when you start to yield to him and become like him and invite him into your life and ask him, where can I do what you've created me to do? And then you find it, you start to love life. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use his gift whatever he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various, its various forms. Look on the screen here for just a moment. I'm just about done. When you lean into his plan for your life, you start to love life. My hope for you is that you'll plant yourself in this church or a good church somewhere. That you get connected with people so you can get healed in that small group. Bring healing to others. My hope for you is that you'll discover how wonderful he's gifted you. And then you'll yield that, his gift to you. You'll give it back to him by serving others. And in doing so, you'll find great fulfillment in life and love life. If we'll join together to do this in this church, we're gonna see Jesus Christ change lives and transform our communities. In the coming weeks and months, you're going to hear about opportunities to minister here at Horizon, but also in other locations as we begin to branch out, branch out to new campuses, 
in the next few years, I think we'll see a few new campuses that are horizon. When you have a church like this, you have great music like you heard this morning, and you have wonderful people serving in leadership, but sometimes you don't have a place for these new and young and vibrant leaders to come forward because all those leadership spots are locked up. What we're going to do is release leaders in other locations. Here's how it'll work, and I'll just summarize quickly. The sermon will be on video. Who's ever preaching that, uh, that weekend, that will, be, that, that will be on video in every location, but everything else is live. There's a live pastor, there's live prayer, there's live worship, and the ministries that are here will be in those communities too. You say, where? Well, we're looking, but it's gonna be somewhere within 15 or 20 minutes, each campus that rises up. So what are those areas? Could be around Tiger, around Beaverton, Sherwood, Lake Oswego. These areas, we're gonna branch out beyond us, and you know what we're gonna see? I'm gonna be done in 15 years or so, not, not able to, to carry on anymore. I'll be old and tired, and you guys will say, isn't there someone who can do it better than that old fella? And, and, and we're gonna have a number of wonderful leaders that are gonna be able to step in because they've been everywhere doing all God's work all across this region. God wants us to raise up people, raise up leaders. God has a place for you, and maybe you'll be called to one of these locations as we go forward in the future. I want to close with this statement from Chris Hodges in his book, Four Cups. He says, we were created for a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. We were designed to be a part of a cause, a movement, a mission. Without a doubt, this is what the body of Christ, the church, is intended to be. God's going to use this in a great way. Here's what I think. I think there are going to be thousands of people saved because of God's people at Horizon who follow him with their whole hearts. I think, I think there's going to be people who are put in as missionaries like Lydia and Jeremy who will be here in a couple weeks in Muslim countries that come right out of here. I, I think there are going to be pastors that are raised up. I think there are going to be young ladies who are shy right now, end up being great teachers, didn't even know it was in them, and they changed lives. But we're going to help people discover their gifts. We're going to follow Jesus Christ, and we're going to see some miraculous things.